0: Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Well, hi. You were probably surprised to see us up here, weren't you? Lights out and all. Here we are. Joe, good to see you. All likewise. This is good. And good to see all of you. You know, Joe had a birthday a few days ago. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's true, he does age. Maybe. Yeah, a little bit. But that's a far cry from being more mature. So we've still got the Joe that we know and love. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot in Acts about how the, the message of the gospel spreads. We see it, it move from kind of clustered in Jerusalem to how it spreads throughout the entire world been pretty phenomenal to see, isn't it? We're seeing the movement of God and how it interacts in the midst of opposition and, and how they talk about this good news as they do that. And uh, the fact of the matter is at some point, like all of us who, are buried, who bear the name of Christ, uh, we, we're part of that spread. Like we're, we're studying this, not just so that we can say, hey, look at what happened a long time ago, but we, we look at what God is doing now. And we get to be a part of that. The the gospel of Jesus continues to spread. And as we participate in that mission, there's gonna come time for us to be able to verbally engage people. And a lot of times when we talk about evangelism, that can feel really intimidating. Yes, it can. Um, so sometimes, some of us are just really gifted in this, and so when you hear people talk about intimidating or not sure, you're like, I don't understand that, because it just rolls out of you, and God provides opportunities, and there you go, and you're off to the races. Uh, for others of you, maybe you, you were trained up in church, and there's a very specific way, that like every gospel conversation needs to check these, you know, several boxes, and, and that's either been helpful for you, which is great, or it's, it's been unhelpful because I'm not sure how to do that and how do we get the conversation where we want them to go. But it can, like, just the notion of evangelism, verbally sharing the good news of Jesus, can elicit a wide variety of responses to us. But particular, to, today in particular, as we look at Acts chapter 18, uh, we want to learn from the apostle Paul, like, not an easy one to learn from, I suspect. You know, you might go like, sure, we're going to learn from Paul. But, but we are. Let's, let's pay attention. Let's notice how he's doing this. And as, as Paul engages and as he shares uh, the good news of Jesus, we're probably going to have less by way of let's check boxes and more by way of a model that, that actually offers us some flexibility. It, it, it draws us in and makes sure that, that we're paying attention to what God is already doing. And so we want to learn from this. So today, this is what we're going to do. And there are some handles for us. And Joe and I are going to talk about those things. And we're going to talk about those things together. But, but let's listen and, and see what God wants to do here. Is, as he shapes in us, how do we participate with the spread of his mission in what we'd call evangelism? All right? So here we go. Let me pray for us before Joe's going to read scripture from us from uh, Acts chapter 18. Let's pray. Father, we are excited for what you want to do here today, and um, we've got a sense of it and some things that we're going to talk about and places in your word that we're going to read, Uh, but God, we're also open to surprises and what you want to do here. So surprise us and enlighten us, enliven us, awaken us, do your good work in us, we pray. Uh, Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are humble and courageous in your hands shaped by you do that work today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Joe, why don't you lead us and, and, right. and
1: read for us. All right. Well, friends, let's turn to Acts chapter 17. And we're going to start. I, I said 18, didn't I? That's I okay. 17. That's okay. We're, we're pastors for a reason. We're not good with numbers. That's right. <laughs> so Elton's up here talking about a PhD in economics. That's right. So he'd get it right. God bless you, Elton. So Acts 17, starting in verse 16. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know this new teaching that that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, a member of others, and a number of others. Yeah. There's so much happening.
0: (laughs) So you were tracking along, probably in your Bible or on the screen. I suspect there's some things that you might have noticed uh, as Joe read through that. we're not going to take a lot of time with it, but I'd love to hear a little bit of what, what stood out to you. What are things that sort of percolated for you? What did you notice uh, as we read this together? Norm, real quick, what do we got? Uh, we live and we move and we have our being. Oh, yeah, yeah, we live and move and have our being. What a, what a great way to understand God too, right? Yeah, yeah David? Oh, yeah, saying
1: that the Athenians had an altar for the unknown God, so they're afraid that they might have missed out some other God that they don't know, so trying to worship every God possible so I I just in my um, format where I'm from do that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thank you, David. Um, he was uh, kind of remarking on, they have an altar that, and the plaque on the altar says to an unknown God. And, and they so badly wanted to worship all the gods. They didn't want to make any God feel left out. So in case a God had FOMO, right. um, <laughs> they just wanted to make sure that they were included. So, right. So here's right. the thing. And so they literally had an altar to an unknown mm-hmm. God um, out of that fear of gods and that they might miss one. Yeah. That was really great. Uh, maybe one or two more. Yeah. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, so Michael's talking about just the, this, like they wanted to hear the new ideas, share this new idea with us as they came to the area of and, and they're wanting to engage with these ideas. And, and Michael's also saying this feels a lot like today where people are just grabbing onto whatever the latest ideas are, share all the new ideas and whoop, put them in, put them into the pile. And, and particularly we live in this post-truth day, right? It, 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 at least we think that it's a post-truth where everybody kind of, my truth, your truth, your truth, your truth. Nobody gets to, everybody's kind of got their own truth um, as opposed to the truth. And and so there was even a sense where that was true in this context and just like it is in ours. One more. Yeah. What do we got back there, Paul? Paul? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I'm, I'm tracking what you're saying. Um, uh, so Paul, Paul is talking about this, this Paul um, is talking about this Paul who's saying they, um, he, he began with, with where they were at. So he understood their culture, their world. And that was the beginning point of getting to Jesus and the resurrection. Right, that's what you were, yeah, and um, so yeah, absolutely. He's beginning there and and leading somewhere, and it's always leading to Jesus and and the crux point of the resurrection. Uh, and and as we look at this, thank you guys. Like we, I love like I love this part where we get to, to talk together. Uh, but but as we as we focus in on this piece, the the theme that runs its way through this is um, Paul's iteration here and, and what we want to make sure we get here today too is the time of ignorance is done. Like there was a time when God allowed such ignorance to go on, Paul says, but but the time of ignorance is done so that people everywhere can know and worship God. Like it, it's, it's this continued message that God is moving everywhere. He wants all people everywhere uh, to come to him. And so as we look at how Paul engages here um, we're going to kind of look at four movements. They're not even necessarily always linear. They sometimes interact with each mm-hmm. other and, and that. But we want to look at, at kind of four ways that Paul put himself in a position and how he engaged in evangelism because we learn. And, and some of what you've already said, you really highlight some of these pieces. Uh, the first one we want to take a, a look at is just simply look, right? That's look. Right. Uh, Paul put himself in a spot to, to see, and, and he looked, and he moved around, and notice, we see this in verse 16. We see him reiterate this in verse uh, 23. He says, I was looking around, and I saw. I was looking mm-hmm. around, and I saw. And it's this place where we kind of living with a head on a swivel. Uh, we, we get so buried, sometimes it's in our phones, sometimes it's in our own thoughts, uh, that mm-hmm. we, we don't see, we don't lift our heads up and Look. And so part of evangelism is looking, it's, it's, it's seeing, and, and what are we looking at? What are we, what are we seeing? Uh, what are we looking for? Tell us a little bit about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, I think quite, quite simply what we're looking for is where is God at work around us, Yeah. right? So another way that we could say that is we're looking for gospel, so the good news of Jesus, we're looking for gospel opportunities all around us. So one of the things that faithful followers of Jesus have believed for the last 2,000 years, we affirm, um, is that the Holy Spirit is everywhere always, and he is always at work drawing people to the Father through the Son. And he invites us to be his witnesses in that, in that process. And so I think back to Jesus' words at the end of Matthew when he gives his disciples this commission where he says, um, Go make disciples is the English translation. The, the nuance of kind of the, the original language would be more like this. As you go, make disciples. And so it's, it's this, to be this default posture and position that we have as his followers that as we're going, meaning as we're going about life, in the mundane, ordinary, in the extraordinary, yeah. um, as we're on our way, be paying attention for how the kingdom is breaking in all around us. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because there's signs of that all over the place. Yeah,
0: all over. I think of um, uh, every August, uh, my daughter Liberty and I, and some people will join us, uh, go on a whale watch. So we love doing that. And she's like magic for whale watches. So if you ever want to make sure you see a whale, go with Liberty. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but they like her. And uh, so you're trucking out in the boat, leaving Gloucester Harbor, and we're heading out, and even in the fog, and that kind of thing. And they're going to where they kind of know they like to hang out. Um, But then it's, it's our job to look. And, mm-hmm. and looking in the distance, and so this year I brought my monocular, so I was like a pirate <laughs> looking out. Into the, and you kind of want to see, because what you see is the little puff of their breathing off in the distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're not really even seeing the whale per se, but you're just seeing the evidence of the whale if you're looking. And so then you kind of point them in the direction. But not everybody on the boat is looking. You know, I, I was kind of noticing some of the folks around, and maybe they brought a little child who had no intention whatsoever of looking at whales and so they were busy with the kid which is good they kept the kid from going overboard um, others uh, by the time we get out into the sea we're a little bit like <laughs> <laughs> so they were a little bit more concerned about the plastic baggie and the uh uh, making it to the head, you know? Um, so they weren't paying that nope. much attention, right? So there's all kinds of ways that we're distracted. Right. But then out, you know, out on the bow and those bow of the boat, and then we're looking, just kind of looking for those telltale signs of where the whales are. And then we actually get to move to where they are. So we, we don't even just say, hey, great, there's a, half a mile out, there's a, a spout. Let's just stay here and hang out. No, no, no. Once we <laughs> see that, then we actually want to move to it. Uh-huh. Which is actually a better introduction to the next point than I actually intended. <laughs> So as we look, as we see, then we actually move to where...
1: Yeah, I didn't even practice that. I was going to say, wow, you were, since we last talked. I know. You sat with this. So there's looking. There was looking. And then there's moving. And then the motor's engaged. Yeah. And then they move to where the whale's at. And you move. Yeah. To what what you're you're, seeing. You're going to engage what you see. That's exactly right.
0: And so we saw, we see Paul do this, right? And he <laughs> moves towards people. So he you got does. look and then you got move. And you got move. Uh, pray for our tech team trying to keep up with us. You're, <laughs> you're rocking it may, up
1: there. May, may, I, may I highlight something? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so I think it's really important to look at verse 16. Right at the beginning it says, while Paul was waiting for them. So who's the them? Well, if we look back a couple verses prior, uh, he's actually waiting for Silas and he's waiting for Timothy. So here, so here's how we got here in today's passage. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy are taking the good news out into uh, Gentile land, so Gentile being people who are not Jewish, because um, this thing is exploding and it's going to all of the nations. And so they get uh, a few kind of passages earlier, they get to a town called Thessalonica, and as they're engaging Jewish people, there are some of the religious leaders uh, in that town and they actually persecute Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and then they drive them out and so the three of them then go to a place called Berea. Um, and the Thessalonians were not happy that they just drove them out. They had to follow them. So they show up uh, in Berea sometime after Paul, Silas, and Timothy had arrived. And then they chase them out even further. And so Paul gets driven out and he's actually sent out by the Berean Christians. Um, and they just send him off to Athens. So, right? was that, uh, so, so he, he didn't like, really intend to, like that no, wasn't part of the plan. No, and so I just like, What happens when I get frustrated? So I have a mission in mind on a given day and I'm ready to go, I'm locked and loaded and then something throws my plan off course and I'm a planner, I love to plan. So my plan gets thrown off course, that can actually be really frustrating for me and actually puts blinders on that further restrict my ability to see what God is doing around me, let alone what he's trying to say to me. I think that happens
0: to a lot of us. I feel that too.
1: Do you? Yeah. Okay. Interrupted, I'm not alone. From,
0: interrupted from the plan. <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah. And so then, the, the, then the, kind of the, the mindset is like, how do I get back on the plan?
1: Yeah. As opposed right. to
0: just paying attention to what's
1: right in and front Paul's of us. And has gone, oh, as I go. Oh, as I go. Oh, this yeah. is really frustrating that we were just driven out yet again from another place. Well, they told me to just wait here. Well, I, I don't know how to wait because the good news needs to go forth. <laughs> right. And so as he's waiting, he all, what he's doing is he's practicing as he's going and he's looking around and he's getting a feel for, I think Paul articulated it really well. Our Paul here at Centerpoint, hi Paul. Uh, he articulated that really well here, what Paul is doing here in this passage. And so I, I just think that's a really important lesson for, for us to take away.
0: Yeah, so there's this dynamic like wherever you are, mm-hmm. look around. You might not be where you wanna be, but look around. Because God is always present in a work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like there's always something he's up to that we get to join him in. That's right. If we will look and see. Yep. Yeah.
1: So he sees this and then he moves, he moves towards it. That's right. Right. So he, so he then, so verse 17, so what he does then is he's engaging with the good news. So he, he's engaging Jewish folks in the synagogue. He's engaging God-fearing Greeks who would have had a basic understanding of the Old Testament. Um, but then I love what Luke says, like Paul just can't shut up. So here right. he is in the marketplace, Paul's a tent maker, so presumably maybe he's buying things, maybe right. he's selling his tents, and then I love Luke's just, oh, and whoever happened to be there, he just reasoned with. That's right. <laughs> so he moves towards, he moves into, he doesn't set himself outside and a part of and say, well, if they really want to know, they'll come find me. Yeah, It's, it's an engagement towards out of love.
0: That, that's right, so it's this posture of love. Mm-hmm. That that calls him to to look and to see, but also to move towards people, and and what he's seen, what he's engaging there is not just this steamroller, correct? Because some, sometimes either evangelism has looked like, or we're afraid it will look like this steamroller movement,
1: right? Like you got to force something on someone, right?
0: right? Yeah. But he's looking for where you know signs that God is already at work, and so some mm-hmm. of the things that he might see is he moves towards them, and and he not only looks, but he listens in that movement towards people, yeah. Um, he 's paying attention to the questions that they 'll ask right right because everybody 's everybody 's asking questions mm-hmm. um, they might not wear the question on their shirt though sometimes they do, but it 's in there it 's in music it 's in poetry it 's in the arts mm-hmm. it 's asking questions about meaning um, look for passions like those those can be right. the the, the blow spouts off in the distance, right? We, we right. see where, where people are passionate. Yeah. Um, maybe their, their passion leads them to anger. Maybe their passion mm. leads them to create uh, in light of their passion, but we see where their passion is, uh, where their sorrow. Yeah, is. that's an important one. Right, so as he's looking, he's moving, and he's, he's paying attention to mm-hmm. these things. And we see that as he gauges these different philosophies. Yeah. Um, he's listening, he's, he's moving towards them and seeing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very important. I think, I think um, Francis Schaefer articulates this idea really well if you're familiar with Francis Schaefer. So he talks about how it's, it's in the arts. So look, so look, you highlighted that well. Look to the arts, right? What are the big questions that people are asking? What are the things that people are chasing? What are the things that we chase, right, that are apart from Jesus? Um, what are the ultimate pursuits of people? People are asking, they might not, like you said, wear it on their shirt, but they're asking, where did we come from? Why are we here? Yeah. Why do bad things happen? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? And the good news is, is that we follow a God who has not only created history, but he's given us the story of history um, that situates us and helps us to make sense of both the beauty and the tremendous brokenness that we find ourselves in the world. That's right. And we're engaging people in their ignorance, so, so I don't mean that in the condescending way, like, oh, you're ignorant, but just the, the dictionary sense of they just don't know. There's embodied ignorance all around us wherever we go, in the workplace, at school, um, in our own families. This, this is all around us and to some degree we might even have that in ourselves or we can at least look back to a time when we were walking in ways of ignorance. That's right. Um, and so this, this is the posture of love that motivates us to go, oh, I don't wanna see them walking in their ignorance. Yeah. I, I want them to come to know and worship Jesus because this is what they were made to do. That's right, that's yeah. right.
0: And so it's it's this desire for them to follow Jesus and be redeemed by him, but it's also God is worth their worship. That's right. Right? Yeah. And who he is. Uh, You you just, as we were talking and preparing for this, you you just did such a great job articulating some of the philosophies that Luke is drawing out for us here in this passage that that talk to us about the questions that people are asking or the ways that they're thinking about the world, about God, and how things work. Just talk a little bit about what we're seeing here in the passage.
1: Yeah, so so this this could be we're talking two thousand years ago. Okay, so we might hear Epicurean, Stoic. What does that even mean? Without going into a whole history lesson, I am not a historian, nor do we have time. Um, But just a couple things that you can jot down. So the Epicureans, they had their their kind of their basic posture was that there were gods, plural. Um, and the gods, they were really far, far away. And so it, they probably weren't really interested in engaging us in any way whatsoever, but they're at least out there somewhere. Uh, so kind of the purpose of life is pursue kind of happiness in an independent life, live it quietly. Um, pleasure. P- pleasure is something that they pursued, but, but never like too much pleasure though, yeah. because that could be a bad thing. There could be vices that come with that. Um, and really at the end of the day, like don't, don't concern yourself with life's biggest questions because there's no way that we can answer them anyway. So that's kind of the Epicureans. Epicureans. And, then, and then there's the Stoics, who they were more um, kind of the phrase that we would use today is pantheistic. So that meaning that God is more of a divine force, an impersonal force that you find um, kind of in the world. And then humans can actually tap into that divine force and harness that, that force. And so for them, that divine force was called the logos. Um, that's the, the rationality. So, for those of you who have spent time in church, you're like, "Oh, Lagos, Isn't that what John talks about that's in John one? Right. Oh, this. yeah. So he totally gets the culture, and he's yeah. doing something there with that. Um, he's saying, "No, that's actually not. It's not a impersonal divine force."
0: Okay. So, like, like one of the ways we might see that even today, like, I'm hearing you
1: talk about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I'm
0: thinking about like Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the force. The force is with you. Right. Some of you just woke up again, which is great. <laughs> right. So, That's uh, like, right. Like that Stoics would have really got a kick out of Star Wars.
1: Yeah, they would have. Right. Yeah, they, they it's would kind have.
0: kind of this divi- divine something. This impersonal force that we heart- can kind of tap yeah, okay. into
1: and harness. So it's the divine rationality and kind of the pursuit of life is get in touch with that divine rationality, um, practice virtues. That, that, that was important to them. Um, but for them, the world and God kind of weren't separate things. It was just this divine... Divine force that was kind of wrapped into one, and then you you had the um, where we get the word the academy. You had the mm. academics, so this was kind of founded by Plato, um, and so the academics were good um, agnostics. So their approach was: there's not enough evidence tangibly in front of us to know if the gods exist or not, let alone if they're interested in knowing us or being known by us. Yeah. So we're open to the idea uh, upon further evidence. We kind the of science the, the approach there. Follow yeah. the science. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Ish. Yep. And then lastly, uh, you have the, the empire cult, the, what, was what historians said they call the imperial cult. So this is the pantheon of gods. Um, this is cult worship, so lots of animal sacrifices. Um, uh, there, there would have been, um, I'm trying to, okay, here we go, because there are children here. Um, adult activities would also oftentimes be wrapped up into the, the uh, cult worship in that process. Uh, well done so i'm not sure that that helped at all <laughs> there you go should have picked so. a different passage for altogether august I so guess. here we are altogether august uh we're just following where we're going here um so i don't know i never mind <laughs> so part of this then so part of this cult worship then would be um worshiping the the emperor as lord so that was actually his phrase so caesar is lord um, so Paul has a lot to say about that too.
0: Well, and that was even why the people were confrontational with Paul. Oh, right. Because yes. here's Paul in the synagogue. Okay, that's one thing. They're kind of yeah, that's their people. thing over there. But then he's in the marketplace, yep. and he's talking about Jesus and the resurrection. Ooh. And so, so this is a confrontation here that's taking place. Yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. just out of a hey, that's cool. Tell us what you got. It was a whoa, time out, buddy. That's right. Like you're talking about this deity. We don't know who this is. Uh, you need to account for yourself.
1: It's really important because to this hire is
0: going to stir up trouble. This is going to undermine all these pieces that are making life work. Exactly. And so that's where they hauled him into the Areopagus. That's right. Which was sort of the um, it was it was it was the gathering place
1: mm-hmm.
0: of of kind of the Council of Wisdom. And, right.
1: and that was the group that kind of approved the gods. But that's the key, though, that they had jurisdiction over that area. Yeah. Right? And so, and so when... It, it, the, the English doesn't necessarily pick up on this, but the nuance of this when, kind of in verses 17 through 21, when they're asking their questions like, what is this babbler saying? And he's teaching foreign gods. That this is actually like insurrection language that they're talking about here. So that phrase... Um, that he's teaching foreign gods. This is the phrase that the Areopagus uses against Socrates to actually have him killed because he was teaching foreign gods. That was their perception of him. Uh, So this is a really, like it doesn't capture it. This is a really tense moment here. So it says they take Paul and they bring him. He didn't really have a say in the matter because they want to make sure and investigate that this isn't going to cause a revolution, a political uh, empire revolution. That's right. Yeah. So like he might not make it out of this moment. That's right. Well, and yeah. he'd
0: already come from places where his life
1: had been threatened. Yeah, And, and that's the way that it works.
0: So there, there's, there's even some parallel with what uh, Peter and John might have experienced with the Sanhedrin mm-hmm. when, when the gospel began to spread into Jerusalem and then some outermost places just around Jerusalem where they were brought before the Sanhedrin to answer for themselves, this yep. Jewish ruling council. And so here's kind of the Greek equivalent of that, the Gentile yep. equivalent of that in the Areopagus that Paul is being dragged into yep. to account for, to give an accounting for this, this new God, maybe, that he's talking about to, yeah. to understand it, which then leads him to, to talk about it. Correct. Right? He's going to make so,
1: every, he's going to take advantage of this opportunity. That's right. That's right, because that's what he does. Wherever mm-hmm. he's at,
0: yeah. he does this. Yep. So there's look, there's move, and then there's, there's share. Like, like, get it out there, share it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see that as Paul begins to talk here, uh, beginning in verse
1: 22, 22 through 31. Yeah, he's like a he's, Bible ninja oh. here. <laughs> he's like a Bible ninja. Because, because so, we, so we gave a, a little overview of the Epicureans, the Stoics, the Academics, and kind of the Empire cult. Um, he, he is going to riff on all four of those ways of thinking here and in a way that is so nuanced and so beautiful and so respectful and so subversive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So say that again. Yeah, okay. So he, so he's gonna riff on these, these four categories of belief yeah. in a way that is beautiful, true, respectful, and subversive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear that? <laughs> kind of this respectful but it, it's subverting these things. Um, yeah. And how we talk about them. Yeah. So, so kind of like what we were talking about in, uh, together is um, he's noticing, he's taking these things in. He understood the culture and the language and the questions that people were asking. Mm-hmm. And then he leaned into them uh, to reveal who God is and what he's been doing, particularly uh, in and through Jesus.
1: Yeah. And he's going to do that in a way where, and we'll see this here, as he shares, he's always looking for bridges, so he's gonna highlight things in his sermon that he's actually going, look, this, this aspect for the Epicureans, like you guys get this right. So there weren't God's plural, but there's a singular God. So you got that part right. But here, here's where you got that wrong, is he actually is so near. But Stoics, he's not near like he's a divine and personal force. Oh, no, 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 no. He actually came in the flesh. And here's how, so you see what he's doing. So he's looking for areas of convergence yep. and then he's also highlighting areas of divergence where the gospel comes in and just steamrolls. But well, the, the <laughs> gospel does S-word. this. The, yeah. not, not Paul, the gospel does this work.
0: Because right? it provides the overarching story that makes that, sense of things. correct, yep. And, and that's what he's doing is, is he's doing this. So let's talk a little bit about the flow oh, man, of, of what, he's, what he's doing there. He begins right out and affirms God made it all. Yep. Right, because we've all got questions: Where did we come from? How are we doing this? But but part of sharing is continuing to back to you. God made it all, and it's touching on the questions that they're asking about where does this come from? How do we get there? How did we get here? All those kinds of things. What does life look like? But God made it all. The God who made the world, verse twenty-four, and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Does not live in temples built by human hands. Ooh, right. Ouch. So did you right? Did you <laughs> did you hear that? So God made it all. This is this picture that they're drawing into. and He doesn't live in temples. Ooh, Ouch. Because <laughs> they made a big deal about the temples that they built, uh-huh. right? Even the, they were everywhere. That's right. So, but He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. So God made it all. God is closer than you think. Mm-hmm. Again, there were some who were like God is near, God is in, and all of that. But no, 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 it's different than you think. God is closer than you realize. That, right. Just stop and consider the beauty of that for a moment. That God, God made everything that is. And he is closer to you than you realize. And he's there on purpose. He draws near on purpose. Hmm. Because this is the third part, God wants to be known. Mm -hmm. God wants to be Known. God made it all. God is closer than you realize. And God wants to be known. He makes himself known. Then Paul kind of ties these pieces together (laughs) because he Mm -hmm. asserts with conviction, not just God made it all, God is closer than you realize, he wants to be known. Yes, that's the foundation. But God is taking it all somewhere. God is taking it all somewhere. And he's drawing that line. Mm -hmm. This is pinnacle point, isn't it? Yep. Right? We see we draw that out here. Um, Verse 30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And so uh, Paul's not necessarily using Jesus' name here. He used Jesus' name earlier, mm-hmm. but he's talking about Jesus, isn't he? Like there's no doubt that this is what he's talking about. And he's drawing this in, started this picture here, and he's drawing it in. And he's like, the time of ignorance is over. There was a time when, when God had patience with the ignorance. Yep. And, and just the, the wandering, the grasping, but that time is done and he's calling people everywhere into repentance. And so just even as he talks about uh, this dynamic of, of repentance, uh, it, in repentance, it's this turning from and turning toward, turning from and turning toward. That's what repentance is. And mm-hmm. so he wants people everywhere to repent. What are we turning from? We're turning from all the stuff that we've made of life, all the, the meaning we've tried to make of life on our own terms. So the, the temples, the gods, right? the, the cults, what kind of, the philosophies, Turn away from those things. Those aren't the things that explain life. But turn towards the God who made everything that is. Mm-hmm. Who is closer than you realize and wants to be known. And, and, and why do we do this? Because it is moving towards something. We're not That's just right. floating in space. We're moving towards something. Talk a little bit about that dynamic of what are we moving towards and how is he mm-hmm. putting a point on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So not everybody, like kind of what we take for granted today as modern Americans, that history is linear. It has a beginning point and it has an ending point. Not everybody throughout human history has believed that. And so he's speaking to some who would, that have been very foreign to them in that day. So some cultures had a more cyclical view um, some were more what we would call today kind of reincarnation. And so this idea that it's going somewhere is really important for Paul because it's important to the biblical story because it is the reality that flows out of who God is and how That's he right. created everything to be. And so he starts in, in 24, where, uh, verse 24 where he's talking about how God made all things. So God is separate from what he made. And he's, he's showing how he is in charge of all things. So you highlighted very well, like he wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. And by the way, here's how that happens is he has raised one man, Jesus, from the dead and appointed him to be judge over everything. And one day he's gonna return and he's gonna return with justice.
0: Yeah, that dynamic of judgment is important.
1: It too. is, really important
0: yeah yeah and and it can't be overlooked no in, in this point here
1: oh i mean it's paul paul it's it, this is the climactic moment of what he's been working his line of thinking to.
0: yeah and so it's not that the judgment is in your midst right now but it's there is a point of judgment
1: that will one day occur that's right in and, finality that and, is and, that and is we being worked out
0: because god has appointed the judge like, maybe mm-hmm. there was a time when we weren't sure what the judge would be, even in, like, Daniel will have, you know, in the Old Testament, we'll have this picture of, like, one like the Son of Man who sits oh, yes. on a throne of judge, you know, the uh-huh. seat of judgment, and then, like, oh, I wonder who it is. And, and Paul is like, we know who it is. Like, the, the judge has been seated.
1: Right, as, as he is speaking to a bunch of people giving judgment to what he's saying. <laughs> That's right, ironically. There's, there's one actually over all of us here. <laughs> and his name is Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so God has
0: appointed him judge. He's revealed him as the judge through the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we see in the resurrection of Jesus, it's God's affirmation of him. And it's it's actually judgment already beginning to take place. Because in the resurrection, um, sin and death are revealed, right, exposed, mm-hmm. and judged. Because he's overcome it.
1: Yeah, well, I think those three are really important.
0: Yeah, yeah, flesh that out.
1: No, 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 go ahead. So you're the one that said him.
0: No, you're the one that said them. I think that's important. Right, so when we look at judgment,
1: yeah.
0: um, sometimes we'll have this impression that judgment is just a good whack with a stick
1: mm-hmm. or the Zeus right.
0: lightning bolt type of a thing. Right, but when yeah. we look at kind of biblical judgment throughout, it's, it's no less significant, but it is so powerful and transformational. So when we look at judgment, judgment does a, a few things. One of the things it's going to do is it's going to reveal. Mm-hmm. It, it reveals what's true. Um, so it, it can reveal uh, humility, it can reveal faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So when we look at God's judgment in the Old Testament, it's revealing his people and yep. those who are faithful to him, right? So what God's judgment reveals, Clarify. sometimes we use the language of apocalypse. It's revealing. To reveal,
1: that's what that yep, word means. Exactly. Apocalypse, yeah.
0: And uh, it exposes, right? It exposes things that people want hidden,
1: Yep. Or, so or, just, or that they don't want hidden that are just straight up evil.
0: Yeah. It exposes <laughs> evil for what it is. Right, yeah. Yeah. And it renews. Like God's, and this is this language of justice, so he judges in justice. It's God's judgment. It reveals, it exposes, and it renews. It's a part of God's renewing. And and when, if we've ever said, oh God, this world is so messed up, where are you? Make it right. What we're calling for and asking for is God's judgment yep. because it reveals, it exposes mm-hmm. the evil for what it is and it renews because in the moment of judgment, that which is evil, that which is wicked, that which stands opposed to God will be revealed and exposed in mm-hmm. its weakness and vileness and done away with. Yep. And what is left is God's renewing activity of drawing his people to himself And ultimately we have at the end of Revelation a new heaven, new earth, where Mm -hmm. God dwells with his
1: people. That's where the whole thing is going.
0: That's right. That's where the whole thing is going. And
1: the ultimate day of resurrection when all of those who have trusted in Christ and receive salvation by grace through faith alone will receive their resurrected bodies. That's right. And be on the new heavens and new earth with God for all eternity. That's right. And so this judgment is a point
0: of decision, and this is why the repentance is linked. God mm-hmm. wants uh, people everywhere, all people, to repent because the judgment, the, the judge is seated, judgment is coming, and it will happen. And now is the point to turn. Now is the point to, to redo. Now is the point in repentance to turn away from and move towards.
1: Because the judge was raised from the dead. Because the judge was raised
0: from the dead. After the point of judgment, there's no more opportunity for repentance. Right. So he's calling for people now everywhere to repent. Right. Because Enter the, the, the kingdom has family. come. The judge is seated.
1: Yeah, on his throne, right? Yeah. Yep.
0: If you've ever been in, um, maybe had jury duty, right? Some of you had jury duty. And uh, one of the little talks they give you is you're sitting in the room, and a lot of times you won't even be called to sit in a jury. Why? Because once the person knows that... Um, a jury is seated, that often becomes real enough for them that they begin to plea bargain Mm -hmm. and it just gets resolved. doesn't always happen that way, but it it often happens that way. And so if you you just sit in the room all day and you read your stuff and you (laughs) wait till the end of the day and you go home. So a lot of us don't sit actually on jury duty because that, that notion of the jury is seated, this just got real. Paul is bringing that level of urgency Mm -hmm. into his conversation. Mm -hmm. This isn't just a philosophical nicety, it's leading somewhere and the judge has been seated. And God wants people everywhere to repent, to turn away from these philosophies, these ways of living that are gonna be exposed as frail and empty. Frail and empty in comparison to who Jesus is. God has revealed himself in Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is what the judge does. And that day of judgment is coming.
1: That's right. Yeah, in no uncertain terms, Paul Paul is really clear. There's a new king who has taken his seat and the invitation is to turn to him because he wants to be known by you and he is worthy of your worship. That's right. So so turn to him and receive new life in him. That's right. Um, that's that's the invitation. And so the the way that this would have hit the ancient ear <laughs> is a little bit different than it hits ours today. It would have been, probably would have carried a lot more weight to it um, than kind of how it might come across today. Yeah, say more. Yeah, this, so we don't, we live in a democracy, mm. right? And so we don't have a king. Um, so this idea, that there's a new king. Yeah, like he's fully in charge of everything and he has been raised from the dead. And so this is the stamp of approval that he has now taken his seat and he is judging out of his love Injustice and righteousness. And now the invitation is come and enter that family because you're embodying your ignorance and and you're embodying it in ways that we can actually see. And it's actually creating systems and structures in your society that are subjugating other people and and then lifting up others. And God has something to say about all of that. That's right.
0: And so Paul is clarifying here, the time of ignorance is done. The time of ignorance is done so that all people everywhere can know and worship God. Yeah, he's, he's who calling he is them. And who has revealed himself to be.
1: To allegiance. That's right.
0: Allegiance to Jesus, not to Caesar. That's right. And it's this invitation that he's making, mm-hmm. right? It's this invitation that he's drawing them into. This invitation to repentance and new life. This uh, invitation to allegiance. Notice it's not to control. It's not Paul right. leveraging control in a person's life. And so it's this open-handed, like, like gospel invitation feels like this, not like this. Mm-hmm. If gospel invitation feels like this, then, then it's probably more about us than it is the gospel. Gospel invitation feels like this. It holds it out and says, oh, look at this. Look at his beauty. Look at his goodness. Look at his power. Oh, it's going somewhere. And there is an urgency. Repent. Believe. Come into this new life. It says holy now, but it recognizes that it's invitation. And so we see this uh, in the end here. There's um, some, a bunch that just sneered at him, Mm -hmm. right? When he talked about the resurrection, Mm -hmm. like you're an idiot. You're an idiot, go away. Like this isn't even worth our time. There were some who said, tell us more. Yep. Tell us more. We're curious. Tell us more. And then there were a couple, a handful that actually believed Mm -hmm. and began to follow that day. And the same is gonna be true for us. Mm-hmm. As we hold out this invitation to join us in following Jesus, there will be some who will go, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but the resurrection. Like, no, dead people stay dead. You're an idiot. As a matter of fact, most people will do that. And there will be some who will say, tell me a little bit more. I'm mm-hmm. curious. Invitation can foster this curiosity. And we remember, we don't have to get the whole job done at once.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Paul left that day. He did. And some said, tell us more. <laughs> oh, tapping out. Right? At this very moment, they're like, like, no, nail it down. Paul invites that curiosity and he pays attention. And that, that, like, that's even something being revealed in this. Like, Judgment is being exposed. Judgmentalism is being exposed for what it is. They sneered at him. Um, faith mm-hmm. and the seeds of faith are being revealed. So even though the judgment is coming, there's, there's judging work that is going on, exposing work that's been going on. In the present, yeah. And the, this being brought into this renewing life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the names of some of these people that did that.
1: It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you need a sense. So we, we don't, like, these aren't boxes to be checked, per se. But the, there's some movements here. As we pay attention to Paul, uh, there's some movements that we get in what this begins to look like for us and how we can um, participate with what God is doing. right. So let's take a look at uh, the big three. All right. All right. The big three. Notice there's four. (laughs) It's like Taco Tuesday on a Wednesday. (laughs) So the big three look for gospel opportunity. Move towards people. Move towards people. Go where they are. We don't have to be fearful. Go where they are. Be present in their midst. And as we look, as we move, pay attention and listen to the questions that are being asked. And as the doors open, share Jesus. It's about Jesus. Who he is, how he reveals God. How he has redeemed the world and is redeeming the world through his death and resurrection and how he sits enthroned even this day. And then invite people to this new life in Jesus. And they may not be ready for it. They might walk away. We get very invested in our narratives, in our philosophies, in our way of doing things. So people might walk away. Okay. But that invitation is there. And that invitation can circle around again Mm -hmm. and again and again. Look, move, share, and invite.
1: Any other thoughts? Oh, this is, there's just so much here. There is, isn't <laughs> there's there? There's just so much here. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, so a friend of mine, um, and he does not know the Lord. He knows that I do. Yeah. He finds me peculiar, I think, because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a pastor in New England. And uh, so he just, I've, I love this guy, and he'll sometimes take little runs at, make a little jab here, a little jab there about my faith or yeah the book of fables or kind of, you know, whatever, whatever he decides. And I just sit there and smile, because it's like, I, I don't have to take that personally, because it's actually not about me. That's right. So sneer away, because you know what happens is then, then there's moments where he opens up, and there's moments where he asks questions, and there's moments where we get to pray together. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get to pray for him in Jesus' name? It's awesome. And so it's laying the groundwork, and, and, and there's that urgency there, because right? the days of ignorance are done. Yeah. And yet I see that the spirit is alive and well and doing something in, in my friend's life. And I just count it a privilege that I get to be a part of it. So I'll take the sneers. Yeah. I'll take the mockery. Something's happening. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and you're so good at that. Um, you in, in, continue to invite in um, with compassionate curiosity. You know, and, and, and again, it's not about you. But that posture no. that you have towards him, that open handedness, I just love. Oh, it's about it's about God's
1: that. love for him, right? And friends, we get to participate in that. That that's what we get to join God in. Yeah. And uh, so I like I think about Stephen and John here, who uh, on the weekends will go downtown and they'll ask people how they can pray for them. So they might not necessarily. That might be the only conversation they have. Yeah. Like they expect, yeah. that's beautiful for for that for those of us who are engaging people in the workplace or in a neighborhood. It's about the relationship that we have and earning the right to speak into their lives because we demonstrate that we actually care about them as people. That's right. And they're worth, they're worth our care. That's right. Because Jesus loves them so much. That's right.
0: Sometimes at a restaurant, um, you know, I'll be with somebody, it might even be you
1: mm-hmm. that we're grabbing
0: a bite or something and it's just a simple question of like, hey, we're about to pray. Is there any way that we can pray for you? Mm-hmm. Talking to our, our waitress. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time we're like, oh, yeah, I kind of got this thing going on. Um, sometimes they're like, nope. And they go away and hopefully don't spit in my Diet Coke or anything. But, <laughs> but it's just a simple little question. You know, it's not Paul standing before the area of Pegas. It. Right. <laughs> but it's just that, that invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I pray for you?
1: Yeah, so this can happen a thousand different ways in the course of your given week. And what a joy it is that we get to participate. And wouldn't it be wonderful, I like guess kind of, you were asking for closing thoughts, the so last thought. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be wonderful if then when we gather together in communities, whether it be Sunday or whether it be in our groups or on our teams as we're serving, where we can actually then share with each other, hey, I was with my neighbor this week and here's what's going on in his life. Yeah. Can we just take a moment and pray for him right now that God would continue to do a work in this life and draw him to the Father through the Son and give me eyes to see how I can join in on that? Yeah. Like, imagine if we had we had those conversations here. I think I that's it. what God wants to do. I love it. Yeah. Because we got to do that
0: as a staff. Yeah, yeah. You know, sharing some yeah. of those things. And so, yeah. to your point, let's do that all over the place. There's
1: there's so much more that that could be said, but we need to we need to break we got break yeah. bread to the luncheon. Please come to the luncheon. So it's not Taco Tuesday. It's Pizza Sunday. That's right. We got pizza out there. So, so
0: I, I want to leave you with this 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 challenge. All right. And for some of you, this is like, oh, we passed this challenge a long time ago. But but for a lot <laughs> of us, this is probably going to be a, a bit where we're at. I'm going to challenge you for the next 30 days. So you do the math, right? (laughs) You do the math. So the next 30 days, every day you're going to wake up. Might be while you're brushing your teeth, giving yourself a shave, kind of taking a shower, kind of whatever, kind of what quiet time, whatever that looks like. But for the next 30 days, you will pray, um, God, open my eyes to see where you're at work. And give me the courage to join you there Mm. and see what he will do. If you will pray that prayer honestly, he will answer it. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, will you take that challenge? That for the next 30 days, you will test God, if you will, and pray this prayer every day. God, open my eyes to see where you're at work and give me the courage to join you there. And then let's see what you're going to do. All right, good. Let me pray for us. Father, give us eyes to see. Even throughout our day today, open our eyes to see where you're at work and give us the courage to join you there. Give us the courage to join you there. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Center Point members, stop and vote today for the nominating committee. Stop and see Dave and Candy. All of us, that, it's not Dave has Candy, it's Dave and Candy. Uh, all of us, let's enjoy some lunch together as we hear more of what God is doing in the world. Let him encourage us and open our eyes in our midst. Next week, out at the fields, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, we're going to worship and have a great time together out there. Until then, have a fantastic week. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.